Hey, beauty lovers and fellow entrepreneurs. I'm Yegi, the owner and founder of Yegi Beauty. Within five years of being my own boss, I was able to grow Yegi Beauty into a multi-million dollar company. This podcast is where I share what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur in the beauty industry. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Yegi Project. Today, we're excited to have Julie with us, who is a brow specialist and also is running her own accounting business. What a fun mix, right? We'll get to interview her and pick her brain about everything that she does and how she manages and balances all of it together. So let's get started, Julie. So tell us a little bit about you. Well, um, I was born in Arizona and my family um, was initially supposed to move back to Lebanon, which is where my parents are from, um, after my dad had finished his schooling and everything. But um, I was two weeks old when they sold everything and we went back and a whole bunch of civil wars broke out Uh back then in the 80s and everything. So my parents are like, forget this. This is no place to raise a family. So we moved back six months later and um, to Southern California various cities and um we settled in burbank when i started about second grade and i've been in the city ever since uh so this is home to you so it's what i consider home yeah it's what i remember most um went through the school system of burbank graduated burbank high went to woodbury like literally everything is in this (laughs) city and um yeah and then so i studied accounting i have my degree in it um, been working in the field since even before I finished high school. I had started working in it and um, graduated with honors. Ooh, yeah. yay! <laughs> um, and, you know, that was cool. I went down that path and what ended up happening was I was finding in my employment, I constantly was meeting ceilings that I wasn't too happy with. And so the last job I left before starting my own firm was, um, I remember one person on the board, um, you know, had literally told me, you're doing a great job. You took over everything your predecessor did, who was twice your age, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, great, you know, I want to have the promotion of, you know, the position. The next step, yes. And she looked me straight in the eye and said, you're too young for that kind of money. Oh, no. (laughs) And, you know, I it's funny because she was the HR expert lady. And I said, that's against the law. (laughs) That's ageism. Age discrimination is. But I figured, okay, so I just left that job the next day, took my vacation payout, which I hadn't used and went ahead and started my own company two months later. That was 2012. Wow, I actually have a similar story, so I could relate. Very awesome. It's almost a blessing in disguise, right? When you get rejected or if one door is closed, it almost motivates us and pushes us to take that leap of faith. If I was going to have any limit on how far I was going to go in my career, it wasn't going to be because someone else chose that limit for me. It was going to be, okay, I'm good here and I'm happy and I'm content, so I'm going to chill, but not someone else telling me when to stop. So how was that decision making when you were like okay I'm gonna do my own thing so how did that feel because I know a lot of people want to do that but then they get hesitant or they get scared to take that leap of faith because they also don't know where to start or that fear kicks in it's like oh shoot like 
can I do this? They right. start questioning themselves. So can you share that experience? hundred percent. I mean, and especially this was, you know, 10 years ago where oh, I feel like entrepreneurialism is a lot more common now. And it's more encouraged. It's more encouraged. <laughs> it's a lot more common. You know, people really don't want to deal with the corporate atmosphere or like um, the BS that goes on in a lot of companies. But back then, what helped me do it is I knew I was going to have to put in the grunt work for some period of time. I just always knew it would take me somewhere. I didn't know that that somewhere would be on my own versus, you know, climbing up the corporate ladder, which is typically where you go in an accounting degree. But when in being in that job in particular, it was a blessing in disguise as well, because it allowed me to experiment a lot with my own decision-making in that role mm-hmm. because I really didn't have a boss for a lot of the time because she was fired a month after I was hired. <laughs> and I told the board, just she let me step into charge. her spot and see if I can fill that role before you guys hire anyone. And I ended up doing that. Um, but that's a great, that's a great lesson. It's like, take any opportunity exactly. that's in front of you. Don't wait for it. Don't Just wait for take it. Take charge or ask for it. Right. And more than anything, it's like you end up, what I ended up finding was I proved to myself that, wow, like if I'm just left alone and like I have to figure something out, there's no one really you can go to, I can do that. And so I said, what? a confident builder. It really was. <laughs> I, I always refer to that job as like a sandbox that I was playing in while getting paid to train myself on how to be an, a business owner on my own one day. I and love that. Yeah, and then on top of that, you know, always... I've been a saver since I was really young, so I've always been kind of smart with money in that way, but it's like, if you are going to take that leap, do be practical about it in some respect as well, where it's like, I know I'm not going to make money right away, so do you have six months of savings? Like, it's going to take you a minute to get up and going and to build your clientele and to do all Definitely, of that. Definitely, at least six months. Yeah, so you need to have that in line, which by virtue of me never having taken a vacation, <laughs> plus the savings I would put away from my salary every month, it allowed, like, it gave me a little bit of leverage to figure that out, you know, for a couple months. That's great. Um, How did the beauty business or the brow business come in? And what is your uh, brow business called? Because I'm also, we're also networking here. So I do want to tie that back together with my audience because that's something we covered. It's how important it is to network with your local businesses because my other business is the eyelash extensions business, right? So it's so important for us to um, network with similar businesses that we can even refer clients back and forth. So I think um, it's great for people to see like this as an example as well of how they can achieve that. And it's, totally. it's, it's very, very exciting to have you. So share us, um, tell us what your, what your business is called, what it's about and how we can help each other. Sure. So the business, uh, that, that, not the one we've been talking about, but the beauty business is called Embroud. And it basically comes from the idea of, you know, giving women beautiful brows. And so now the term is you've been embrowed if you come to me. <laughs> I um, like it made it into yeah, a catchphrase. It's like a verb now as well. <laughs> um, and it started kind of randomly. So I've always also had an artistic side to me and, um, I always was doing something in my life that was artistic as an outlet, whether it was playing piano or sketching or anything like that or dancing as a child. So 
once you get into the whole college system and like you're going through you know those growing up years and everything you kind of forget about the things that are fun to you and you're, when, you're, <laughs> when you're really hustling and whatnot yes you feel like you don't have enough time for 100%. it 100 so i just you know all that stuff kind of got pushed aside in those years of just getting yourself situated as far as a career and everything and so you know this was it was about 2019 and um i just I kind of missed doing art as well. And at the same time, I was looking into, well, what can I do for my own brows? Because um, I have naturally sparse brows. And on top of that, I overplucked in high school and it <laughs> never came back. I know. So that brows have that tendency. It's They're the like, most, you don't want me, you're going to pluck me. I'm not coming back. <laughs> it's the most bizarre thing. Like <laughs> brow hair never comes back once you overpluck it. But then like what you'll find is like as we age and everything, start getting hair in places we don't we need We don't it. want, yeah. It's, you know, it's human nature. We get what we don't want. <laughs> right. And we want what we can't get. Exactly. <laughs> So I was, you know, I started looking into everything and I was like, what's this thing called microblading, you know? And I like really vetted that out and I said, this is cool. You know, I'm going to do it. How cool. I don't have to draw in my eyebrows anymore. You know, I'm a person who works out. Plus I have oily skin as people can probably see. So drawing my brows in every day was just not really practical because the second I sweat, the second I accidentally go like this, they're gone. So tell people more about what microblading is for those that don't know. So microblading is, um, I think people a lot of times mix it up with uh, the ombre shading and it's just, it's a whole bunch of marketing terms for the idea of doing permanent makeup implantation of ink into the brow area. So permanent makeup of the brows is a thing and then there's certain techniques under that that go with that microblading is just one such technique it's just the term is so unique it blew up mm-hmm. and that's why you'll find people search on social media or on google or whatever for microblading when in reality all they want is something to do with the brows not necessarily that technique that technique in and of itself involves taking a small blade a micro blade mm-hmm. and um mimicking hair strokes, cutting them into the skin, and then implanting ink into those cuts. Um, It's a little bit more of an aggressive form of permanent makeup. Mm -hmm. I've personally kind of moved away from it for that reason. Um, But it still exists and it's still out there. But uh, it also goes along with um, ombre shading, uh, the uh, micro shading they're all terms for the same technique which is taking a tattoo like machine mm-hmm. and then making your brows that method which is like little pixels versus the hair strokes got it yeah. okay but they both last about the same amount of time do they um how is it different from like the tattooing like the old school brow tattooing right and i get that question a lot so um if you want to be like so for like insurance purposes and all this stuff it's considered a tattoo we're regulated by the body art um department of the health department in the which is actually kind of nice compared to the beauty regulations because beauty cosmetologists yes cosmetologists and estheticians and nail techs we all have a lot more regulations than it's actually pretty surprising yeah it is because you guys are literally going cutting the skin (laughs) we are dealing with blood yeah right um it's one of those crazy things that's just you know you you do have to do certain things to get certified and everything but they don't check that your work is good they don't check that you know it looks good or that you artistically are doing well i mean you can get certified with a three-day class 
Now, does it mean that you're good after that? No, it's art that you have to practice before you get mm-hmm. good at it. But at least you're not going to kill someone with your little <laughs> microblade, you know? Like, they're yes. at least making sure that's yes. not happening. Yes, and you know how to deal with blood, right? There's like a blood war. Correct, the blood-borne pathogen yes, course. You have to course. take that every year. Um, you have to get your studio. Oh, so this is something important I think that the audience should know is um, you definitely don't want to go to someone who's working out of their garage out of their home (laughs) out of anything except an actual real business establishment because if they are doing that they're not proper and they're not legal because for the micro for the for any permanent makeup tattooing okay yeah um la you know department of health does not allow you to work out of anywhere but an established business zone so um, anyone that's working that's outside of that yeah and you get these people that you know they're it's like a room in their house or whatever it's like cool but they're not permitted by the health department therefore you can't so be sure that they're working regulated, safe so you can't they no one's they checking on them two hundred dollars cheaper and it's because they're not paying fees for licensing permitting and insurance and you don't know if you're going to get an infection from them you know, yes, so that definitely makes yeah, sense. <laughs> 100%. So that's something I want to throw out there. PSA. <laughs> Do it properly and go see a professional. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're local in the Burbank area, here's a little. I'm just kidding. I'm literally two blocks from you. Yes, <laughs> yes. So she's local to us. And we'll link all her information below so you can check her out. Um, but that actually raises another question I know I've had for you. What was it like trying to actually build the confidence and the skill for the permanent makeup? Because it is a little invasive and um, it's harder to practice or find volunteers to practice on to get good. So what was that beginner stage like? It's a it's a really good question to ask. Um, it's because... Unlike other things where it's like, if you mess up, well, I mean, like it can be rectified. This is not really one of those things. Um, And then it's the face. It's not even, you know, apprenticing to do like a a body tattoo where it's like, (laughs) okay, messed up. I could do a cover up, like all these people with their exes names on them. They just cover it up. Like you can't keep making the brows thicker and thicker, go all the way up to the eyebrow. I mean the forehead. (laughs) It's like all of a sudden you have like bangs tattooed. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so what I personally did is I took all my classes and I have like, I think seven or eight trainings just on different techniques. And then obviously lips and eyes that I've done, which we can talk about later. But after each class, I would sit and practice for hours for months. Um, and was this on like a training head? Exactly. On a training head on what we call fake skin. It could be made out of plastic or silicone or like any sort of like material that most likely mimics, you know, real skin. Um, if you were able to, you could go to a butcher and get pig skin. Oh my gosh, that sounds so weird. Yeah, because it's just so similar to real human skin to get that real feeling. But I've always wondered, but you know, if that grosses me out for some reason, but at the same time, it's so cool that... You can practice on Uh that versus actual human. You have to because it's like you can't be practicing on a face. Like by the time you get to a face, you shouldn't be practicing. You should be doing. And so so I just did like probably hundreds of hours for like six months or something before I even touched my first model, which they knew they were my models. And so you do have to disclose that like, hey, like you're my, you know, first 10 people that I'm working on. I do want you to know that. 
Um, and obviously you don't charge full price at that point. Some people do their models for free. I remember, I think I was doing mine for a couple hundred dollars, something like that, which was really the cost of supplies and my rent and everything. So um, speaking of prices, what is an average price for a service like that? And how long does it last? Sure. So my pricing is browser 550 and that includes your touch up which is six to eight weeks later you come in and anything that needs slight tweaking or what we really call perfecting can be done in that session. Um, some artists charge separately for that. I just include it because I want you to be happy. And mm -hmm. you go off for the next, it really depends. So the first client I ever worked on, my first model still hasn't had a touch up and oh, it's been wow. three years, it'll be three years this September. Oh wow. Yeah, so, and then I get some people that come back every year. Most I would say come back every year. Okay, so it's not a lot of maintenance from what it's it sounds not, like. And so that's where I guess I wouldn't mind, I personally wouldn't mind paying the 550 exactly. if I'm coming once a year or even, you know, twice a year from it's an accountant mind yeah I'll put that hat on for a second it's a huge huge efficiency like economically it makes sense the time that you save drawing your makeup on every day plus the products that you're buying a lot of my clients are buying like high-end brow products the Anastasia yeah. Beverly Hills the this that like all that costs money and it's not even being drawn perfectly nice every day you're kind of in a hurry but doing I it I feel like for me it would also be such an ego booster you know I wake up and it's already like nice there I don't it's have so to feel nice. naked because some people who don't have any eyebrows or yes. have very sparse eyebrows they really look like two separate people 100% I'm just like eyelashes too for me yeah. you know it's like I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm ready to go. Totally. I don't feel like I need a lot of extra things before I could step out the door. That's exactly what it is. It's like, I'm not a huge makeup wearer every day. I put some eyeliner on for the show, but <laughs> it's just like, um, it, but without some basic things like your brows, for instance, that frame your face, you just look naked, like facially naked. Yeah. And so by having just these couple things, you just look really put together and like neat and presentable. You know, it doesn't have to be a full like glam look every day, but for someone, especially someone like me, who's just like, I, I don't put a full face of makeup on and everything and I work out and this and that you just want something that keeps your structure yeah. put together for like without whatever. too much effort yeah, and time <laughs> 100%. awesome well let's jump into um balancing the two businesses because that's what I'm wondering because I also try to juggle a lot and sometimes that's a real struggle but I'm really big on trying to find a happy balance between family work friends, business, kids, all of that. So what is kind of your secret of balancing two businesses and your personal life? I think it what it is is scheduling for a lot for a lot of things. So it's funny because all throughout my life, I was never someone who used reminders or a calendar. I just had this thing where it's like I remember everything I'm supposed to do every day and I never wrote anything down. But once I got into like, okay, there's two businesses and then I have my church and then I have my volunteer work and then you have like a million things you need to do. So then I started to use calendars and appointments and reminders and things like that. So then literally it's just, I know every day from, you know, so this hour to this hour I'm doing in Broad. And then from this hour to this hour, I do my other business. And then So you've structured it where it's very organized. Okay, half my day is this business. So if somebody calls for 8 p.m. brow appointment, I am not, not 
doing it. Yeah. I'm going to take it in the... You really, like, take charge of your schedule. I do. Because that's one thing that I've seen a lot of um, service providers struggle with is they don't want to lose the client. So they'll kind of try to go all over the place, like, fitting in the client. But then it messes up the flow and, and right. kind of the balance of their actual life and business. Right. So then it just almost like is a counterproductive compared to fitting in one extra client. Exactly. And especially because for me, the embroiled business um, is a joy business. It's not really it's more a, of like a, a, a hobby, but you get paid it's for it. It's a monetizing <laughs> hobby is what I call it. Um, it's like, I don't want it to bog me down so much. So I do like one client a day. And because more than that, it's a very physically and like creatively straining thing to do. Beyond that, I start like the joy starts losing where you're a little bit stressed out of like, you know, I have to get this done. It's like, it's like you start looking at it more as work and I don't want to have that viewpoint. Yeah, it's your creative outlet where you right. can also make money with it. Right. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And that's okay. I feel like sometimes we need to tell ourselves or other people that that's okay. If this right. is what I want to do, this is what I'm going to do. I don't have to have million clients and stress exactly. out. Like this is what works for me and that is okay. <laughs> and when you're first starting out, I was like that. I was the pushover because again, it's like, you don't have a name yet to have that that leeway of being like well you know what you I can't take you now I can take you at this like you you haven't earned that yet so once I got to the point of like my name is known people trust my work I have so many good reviews and everything and people refer it's like internally you feel that confidence to you know say no I can push you out a month yes and you know your worth yeah but but at some point you do have to make that cut off where it's like you see you're transitioning into a place where you can manage that and you can take control of it versus really taking every opportunity you can to work on someone which in the beginning it is kind of like that I'm not going to act like I had it figured it out from, oh yeah same yeah, day same, one like yeah. it wasn't like that like I was desperate it takes and time and I think and, that confidence and and practice and like exactly you know like your um I guess as much as you build your business or your skill the more confidence you'll have and the more likely you'll be like okay wait a minute <laughs> And I know that we always say that and it sounds so cliche, but like that confidence thing really is true. It's like, and then once you have that really in you and you're not pretending you have it and you're putting on a facade of having it, Mm -hmm. it's actually really what you have and it projects out people's sense that. Yes, that energy is huge. And I really do think we do attract business or people or, or good things in our life based on that totally. energy so every client I, I get in and brow tells me that they came to me because they were attracted either to my energy or like something like they felt like they knew me like it's the person personality aspect of it or just the idea of um you know that my page is so real mm-hmm. whereas like a lot of pages in the beauty space are they want to have a certain look to their page and so they end up posting only certain faces Certain yes, ages, that's actually certain... a whole other topic yeah. and discussion we can have is about the social media and yeah. the aesthetics of it. Actually, I'm kind of having a identity crisis with the Yegi Beauty business right now with our social media too, because okay, we want to go to the next level, we want to do this or that, but it's so hard to find like okay, how aesthetically pleasing do I want it to be and how real do I want it exactly. to be and how much of it do I want it to be just kind of like facade almost like what it looks like versus the quality of the work behind the scenes so I think again it's finding a happy medium totally and it's like because every page out there is following a certain recipe uh uh-huh and it's 
and they do okay like they're doing good or they so might what advice be- would you give like that's worked for you that you're doing it like more organically or it not really, worrying 100% about organically so it's like I'm not like I don't think of a structure about like okay every other post has to be this like me uh, or like a, a quote or like uh, this has to be this color theme or like it's just and I don't even think about well this client isn't really as pretty or as young or her skin isn't really that good like I'm not gonna lie marketing wise the more attractive people will get you more traction it's just what it is I don't make the rules you know but I also don't have to live by them like so no matter who and it it's is, subjective right nowadays we, everybody we can have different frameworks for what's beauty, beauty. to us right, right? So what's beauty to me is um, the inside and like literally every one of my clients, except maybe two or three, (laughs) were a little bit crazy. I mean, out of hundreds, it's like pretty good statistics. Um, It's like every single one has like a really beautiful inside. And so that's what I want to capture in posting them on my page. And so it'll be, yeah, like a mix of like pictures of them or little like reels or videos or whatever that captures that. And no matter who they are, I'm going to make them look their best because that to me is like, that's what their beauty is their individuality i'm not like uh oh, this one is over 65 this one you know has pimples this one, like no you are a client of mine you're being represented on my page i love that yeah. and that's worked well for you and that just happened to work well for me the that's organic great. i love that yeah awesome um now as far as balancing the two businesses with the personal life how do you do that <laughs> do you schedule out time just for yourself and your activities so i'll be honest i don't really have a lot of hobbies like I mean, the hobby that... You mentioned church, volunteering. That's oh, a guess, lot. That's already a lot. I didn't think of those as hobbies. They're like, they're just things that are part of my life. I didn't think of them as hobbies, but I guess you're right. I would say the only optional thing I do is like, I work out. You know, I'm big on working out. Um, and that's worked in every evening. You know, once I'm done with both jobs. Yeah. <laughs> it's either a workout night or a church night. Like, that's just... I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's your... It's probably also your de-stressor at it the is. end of the day. It is. Because I used to love running as my de-stressor. It hasn't happened with the kids in the mix. I'm oh, still no. trying to find my balance between... You can put them in the stroller and go... I know it's so. I I probably I will figure out a I way, but right now, that. right now it's so complicated because now there's two of them. It's like pick one up from school, who's babysitting, who oh. while I have to work, you know, also spend quality time with them. So it's just been harder to find that new balance with two kids in the mix of business, personal life, and me trying to do it all. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not even gonna pretend I know what it's like to be a parent. <laughs> Uh, yeah i get anxiety i don't think yeah i don't think anybody knows until you're there it's so like perfect in my head always and i some i do divide up my time and schedule too based on like what area i'm focusing on because i also try to do a lot of what i love to do um but you know on paper it looks perfect and i want to like i can't control the kids and their moods how old are they now (laughs) very little um they're both under two so one is um almost two years old and the other one's three months so yeah at a stage where i'm still figuring out how to balance that aspect i mean that's yeah they're like toddlers yeah yeah and this is like that special time like you're like i don't want to regret this later not exactly so that's my challenge right now is trying to take some time away from what's going to make me feel either productive or like focused on work or business and then being there for my kids or my family or having fun with you know my life that is the hardest job is having kids and i completely respect that and recognize that in women and men that do it and i'm just like everything i do or whatever would be nothing compared to being a parent 
Yes, I think it has its challenges. You know, I also don't like to, um, like, for uh, almost have it as like an excuse to, right, to like neglect everything uh, everything else yeah or be like oh you know i'm like i'm a parent so that's right. all i'm doing so i i am a big encourager of okay just because you have kids or a family doesn't mean you can't do everything else right like you can still do what you love you can still grow like personally you can still find a way to have like me time and that's kind of like what i like to try to help people understand too right. but like you know i'm still in the process of figuring out a best system for myself right because you haven't been a parent for super long so yeah like you are still in that learning process yeah Yes, yeah, well, yes. that's Being amazing. with myself. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's go back to accounting because we do have a lot of small business owners or people who do want to become entrepreneurs and some accounting questions will be helpful. Um, as a small business owner and also having the education and the practice in accounting, what are some tips that you would advise small uh, business owners to do on the regular to kind of stay on top of their accounting? Sure. So I would say first and foremost, you know, be legal. So, you know, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's kind of sad that you have to, you know, like make sure of that. We should, that should be a common thing for people wanting to be. But yes, please explain what you mean by that. <laughs> There's an expression in Arabic that just says like, don't be like, hi, yalla. It just means like, basically like you just smash everything together. Yeah. Like do whatever comes out. Like be very like strategic and conscientious of from the stages before you're even going to start. So um, if you can't figure it out on your own or you just don't feel like putting the research into it, do hire a consultant to get everything organized from the start because let me tell you, the clients that I work with, when they bring me on in their startup phase, end up spending a lot less time, money, and frustration in the long term versus people that bring me in later after things have been messed up and I have to do a cleanup job. So tell us a little bit more about like that service part of it. So what do you mean? Like what startup phase? So what would somebody, where would somebody start if okay. they want to start their business legally, like Correct. all the paperwork and filing and all of that. So to start, you know, being self-employed, you do not need to legally have a corporate entity filed. Like you can start a business under your social security number. That's fine. But if you are going to do it that way, I recommend at least um, getting a separate bank account and a separate credit card account that you run all business items through. So you're gonna charge all your business expenses onto these accounts and you're gonna have your sales deposited into those accounts as well. The the co-mingling, what we call it, of funds between personal and business is a really big red flag to the IRS. And also, <laughs> you don't wanna get audited. <laughs> yeah, and also- They will find something. <laughs> and also just for um, liability reasons and like how you're gonna, whatever business you're starting, um, there's always a measure of liability of liability that goes along with that. So the the more separation you have between who you are as a person versus who your entity is, the better. Um, and for that reason as well, I advise that you do get incorporated mainly for the liability issue. Um, even though it does cost you a little bit more every year, you have to pay either your LLC or your corporate minimum Yeah, tax. and the main purpose of that is, is if I have a house under my name and God forbid my business goes bankrupt, right. they 
They, Nobody can touch my house. It would be very, I'm not going to say it could never happen, but it would be very, very hard for them to, it's a term called cor- uh, pierce the corporate veil, which would basically mean that like the coverage that you had from your corporation is now being pierced through and they're going into your personal assets. So that's... Let's not get too advanced or technical. <laughs> Keep it simple. <laughs> Keep it simple for us common folks. Yeah. So again, if you're going to file as a, as a corporate entity, definitely get those filings done. You can do it through the Secretary of State online, or you could hire someone to do it for you. Um, and if you're not going to, and you're going to just run it under your social security, um, do at least get a DBA so that you can, which basically means doing business as. It's a name that you can register with LA County or wherever you're located. That um, It's a business um, identity to what you're doing, but it's still tied to your social security um, ultimately. And that also protects the name of your business for that area, correct? So nobody else can take that name for that area. Right, and what's interesting is, and this is something I found out later in life, is like a DBA only protects that name in that county that you file. It doesn't actually, it's not a trademark. It's not a patent. So, you know, it's kind of, it's personally a little annoying that (laughs) I've seen some embrowed other random businesses pop up and I'm like, and I just, I had looked into trademarking embrowed when I first did and it was such, it was several thousands of dollars and I just thought, is it really going to, is it really going to blow up? I mean, do I have to protect it? (laughs) If you have It's always a Yes. (laughs) If you have that vision, just invest that money off. So of I that. guess that's a mistake that you <laughs> yeah. made that people can learn from, and yeah. and I love that. But I would put the money, and if you really believe in your vision and you feel like something you have is unique, like the name and Broad, trademark it. Yes, and that's actually something that I going to business school for me helped me out a lot with these decisions at the beginning when I was starting the business because those things I knew so it was actually really hard for me to come up with the business name because I would not only do the because there is online um, uh, databases where you can search the business name like per location or globally, like for the trademarks and everything. So um, I had to spend a lot of time to search and see what's really like unique and not not taken for the eyelash business, but that's why it ended up being Yagi Beauty and it was more general and supposed to closer just to my name and nothing with eyelashes, just so I can trademark globally. Very <laughs> but cool. that's Are like you good advice. At this point? I am, I am. Oof, for, for, for a you, long girl. time. For a good long for time. You. We've been. Thank you. And definitely United States and few countries. We still cause some of the countries it's like a group, like I think the European ones, right. if you do get trademarked there, then it protects you in that bigger area so um i'm pretty sure almost all of them are finalized but very nice (laughs) because we later expanded to globally initially we just did us good but that's one advice too like um i wouldn't waste so much time and money like with trademarking globally from the start right start like if you're gonna go big like just your country is enough because it is a lot of time and money right and advising and lawyers to, right. <laughs> to do that. And for the most part, like, people will be able to tell, like, sometimes you're driving in random towns and you'll see a liquor store called, like, you know, Coca-Cola Liquor Store. Well, like, obviously, I know Coca-Cola, you're not an authorized retailer. Of co- like, you know, it's yeah. just... So at some point, once you have that brand recognition, there's a lot of things you'll find, like, especially in, in other countries and whatnot, where they're, like, using the name and the brand of something, but you know they're not a legitimate yes. branch of that company, and, like, you're not going to put that faith in it and think that that's that brand. Yes, but if you do have the trademark, so the nice part is, too, you can, um, like... Season go, Yes, you can go after them to, like, stop 
using it or Correct. you take part of their profits because it's technically your Correct. your name <laughs> i like that yes <laughs> do the second one <laughs> before we conclude i would really like to know your point of view on uh, having a magic wand <laughs> not a serious question so if you had a magic wand and you can change something in the world what would it be you know it could be anything it doesn't have to be anything too serious or too silly but What's the first thing that comes into your mind? Um, I would want all humankind to be reconciled to God. Okay. Yeah, because by default, that takes care of everything else that would be problematic is um, living with that devotion and that faith would then, you know, motivate you to do better. Um, be better yeah. humans or people. And we would all, like every problem we would see would be gone. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Before we close, tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. We did kind of mention your information, but where they where can they find you for your brow business, for your accounting business? Very cool. Yeah. So um, all social. So um, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. But I'm biggest on Instagram because it's where I spent the bulk of building up my marketing there. Um, same name, at Embrowed on all three platforms. Um, and then my accounting business is called Business Fitness LLC. And I love that. <laughs> it comes from the idea of whipping businesses into shape. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and also... I may need some of your services for you that. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, TikTok as well. So business underscore fitness underscore LLC. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe and give us any comments, feedback. We would appreciate that. But until next time. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review this podcast. Follow and engage with us on social media under the Yegi Project. And if you're interested in being a guest, email info at theyegiproject.com and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes.